Hello and welcome to another episode of the Rama podcast. Today we're going to be debunking famous Bible myths. I've got a lot of good facts for you guys today, so I hope that you'll open your mind and your ears and your heart to what I have to say today, and I hope you take this information with you in your heart and use it to hopefully share God's love with others. So here we go. Welcome to Bible Myths Debunked Part 1. So Bible myth number one, this is probably the myth that you hear the most. This is something that people like to throw out a lot. This is something that I like liked to throw out on people a lot too, and that's because it just makes sense, but that's when we have to refer back to Paul when he wrote, do not be whisked away by fine-sounding arguments. You have to test this test um, to see if they're from God or not. So Bible myth number one, the Bible has been corrupted, and I am here to debunk that myth. I've got a lot of good info for you guys today, so let's get started. Um, we'll start with the New Testament. The New Testament is composed of what is universally considered the Gospels. The Gospels are made of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The rest are a combination of letters to people from different churches, from People to the early churches, people like Paul, John, Peter, and James. So I'll start with Paul. Um, I have an episode about Paul. It was episode number two. Paul was born in 5 AD. He was born into a very high-class, high-status Jewish um rabbi status. He was a lawyer. He could speak four different languages. At that time, he was very affluent, one of a very powerful um, Hebrew in that time. So Paul had thousands of Christians killed. He had thousands of Christians beheaded. And then he saw Christ in a vision and then completely, completely changed his life. He began preaching uh, and preaching the same thing that he had thousands of people killed for. And God used him as an example that no matter what you do, you can have thousands of Christians killed and then practice what you had people killed for and God will still love you because we are his children. So Paul was born the year five after the death of Christ and he died about 64 to 67 AD, scholars say. Now, the books of Paul in the Bible, they're letters that he wrote to different cities and different churches that were establishing, um, being established after Christ died. For example, he writes, uh, Romans is a letter to, the, the book of Romans is a letter to the Romans. The book of Hebrews is a letter to the Hebrews. Uh, the book of Corinthians is to the town of Corinth. So these are actually letters, handwritten letters on papyrus to uh, churches. So I wanted this to just be about the Bible, but I want to bring the Quran and Islam into this a little bit. The Quran, um, or Muslims will say that <clears throat> the Quran is a divine book. It came down verse by verse. It's never been changed and it's never been translated. Well, that's actually not true. It's actually the other way around. The Bible 
We have all the original documents that we need to reconstruct the gospel message. And I'm going to get into that. So we have all of Paul's Uh, We don't have all of his letters. There are 18 that are lost, but it's a collection of 104. And they're they're scattered across. um, Some are at universities, some are at libraries, some are at museums. So a collection of letters known to scholars as uh, Papyrus 46 is believed to be the oldest known surviving copy of the letters of Paul. So 34 reside in Ann Arbor, 56 in the Chester Beatty Library in Dublin, and 18 are lost. And this is from the website Ann Arbor, letters that are available for viewing. So you you can actually view the original documents from Paul. And if we learn anything from Paul's life, it's that Christ was resurrected, Christ was resurrected, Christ was resurrected you have eternal life. That was the message he wanted to give eternal life to everybody. And when you want people to have eternal life, it's not selfish. Um, It's just the way it is. So go to that website, Ann Arbor. You can see Paul's letters. Um, Um, Another thing that I want to read you is from Nabil Qureshi's No God But One book. He spent four years trying to debunk Christianity. He was a Muslim and ended up converting to Christianity. His name's Nabil Qureshi. So I'm going to read you a few things from his book. Um, This is just going to shift gears. The Quran says it teaches the same thing as the Bible, confirming the Torah and the gospel, yet the teachings of the Bible are clearly different. In the same vein, the Quran teaches that Muhammad was prophesied in the Bible, but there appears to be no such prophecy. What most Muslims envision when they say the Bible has been corrupted, though, are wholesome omissions or insertions of New Testament teachings, intentional alterations by ruling powers. This sort of corruption of biblical text simply never happened, nor could it have happened. As an example, let us consider the book of the Bible called 1 Peter. When the disciple Peter wrote this letter, he sent it to its its recipients, They made copies of it and sent the copies to other churches in in other cities. Those churches made copies of it and sent them out to yet other churches. Now let's imagine that the church to which Peter sent it made five copies, and each church then sent a copy and made five more copies. Even at this early stage of the life in the letter, there are 31 extant copies, so original copies. If someone wanted to effectively alter the text, they would have to recall all 31 copies, but nobody had the ability to do that. Nobody had ruling power, and this is very important, over all Christendom until the 4th century, 300 years after Jesus. So what he's saying is nobody had the power to collect all those letters and officially change the message of the gospel before the gospel got out. And there are people that dedicate their lives to protecting the gospel because after all it is the way to eternal life. So by that time, there were thousands of copies of the biblical text, and even someone with authority over them would not have the practical ability to collect them all. Even if someone had the capacity to recall all the texts and edit them, there would would certainly have been some record of such a massive recall. So they're saying that there would be evidence of a massive recall if this were history because these texts were so... sacred to people. So there's no way that someone could have 
calmly handed over the sacred text to be altered without some trace of resistance or complaint. So the only way the Bible could have been corrupted on such a grand scale is if someone in early Christi Christi Christian history had the authority and power to recall the text and destroy them and issue official copies, resulting in compliance and resistance. Yet no such person or record of events has ever existed. Interestingly, such a person and a record do exist in the early history of the Quran, which I'm going to do a separate um, podcast on the Quran. So what we're saying here is that there's no possible way that the gospel could have been corrupted because number one, it wasn't for 300 years after Jesus died that someone came into ruling power that... Um, could have alt did have the power to alter such texts. Now, on to so that that's about Paul. Um, on to the Gospels, which are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I want to read you guys a little bit of what the Gospel is. So the Gospel that comes from. The Greek word for good news is evangelion, which in English is translated to gospel. And the good news is, even though we cannot get to God, out of his greater love, God has come to us and made a way for us. God himself has paid for our sins and will eternally restore our souls. All we have to do is repent for our rebellion, have faith in what he has done, and follow him. So that is who God is, almighty yet most humble. He's the center of the universe, yet selfless. He created mankind so he could delight in us and we in him with selfish love. But in order for this love to be valuable, it must be voluntary. So God gave man the choice to love or reject him. But when we reject him, we go astray because he made us. He's kind of like the creator of the universe. So like he knows what brings us life because he's the creator of life. He created atoms, he created cells, he created the universe, he created galaxies, he created geometry, he created every single science, he created our minds, he knows us inside and out. He is the path to life because he is our creator. So um, that is what the gospel is, that basically we can have eternal life. That's the gospel, is that you can have eternal life. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Luke and John are the gospels. The gospels tell about Jesus's life. It tells about um, his parables, how he spoke to the crowds, how he performed miracles, what he said before he died, how he washed his disciples' feet. I mean, the creator of the universe washing our feet. Um, that's just who he is. So I have something um, about the gospels. So I found a really great website. Actually, it's Wikipedia. You go to Bible Manuscripts. You can type that in. Click on Wikipedia. Scroll down to the dating section and then click earliest existing manuscripts. There's a really great table with links that you can click on to the original documents that we have. And like Nabil was saying in his book, there's no way that they could have been translated to where someone wicked like twisted it and then it would lead you to like towards death because one of the things that drew me into Christianity was when Jesus said that anyone who wants to do the will of God will know if he's speaking on his own or if he's speaking um, from what his father says because anyone speaks on their own has self-interest and speaks 
for personal gain, and God doesn't have anything to gain. God doesn't need us. He, he just wants, he loves us and uh, wants to be with us and wants to give us life and wants us to experience everything that he has created because we're the ones that were chosen to um, behold it. So, um, yeah, currently some are at the University of Pennsylvania, the Gospels, uh, the Bodleian Library, the, the Muhlenberg College. So they're all over, they're scattered all over the world, but feel free to, like I said, visit Wikipedia, the Bible manuscripts, scroll down to dating, earliest existing manuscripts. You can see where all the manuscripts are. You can see, um, you can re- see that they're in Greek. So people dedicate their lives to preserving the gospel and I just wanted you guys to, because I'm on the side of facts. I'm not on the side of exclusivity exclusivity or ostracization. I'm on the side of facts. I want to be on the side of facts. So um, there's a lot more I could get into, but I kind of want to, you know, set you guys loose after this information. I just wanted you guys to... Be aware of, don't let religion fool you because there's a lot of trappings to religion. There's a lot of rules. There's a lot of um, sneaky things that can tear you away from the truth, which is you are um, the most valuable thing in the universe. So this is Jesus speaking, and this is from the, Goth- from the gospel in Matthew chapter 23, verse 3. This is Jesus speaking. He says, he's talking about the Pharisees. So practice what they tell you, but don't follow their example, for they don't practice what they preach. They crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. Everything they do is for show on their arms. They wear extra wide prayer boxes with scripture verses inside, and they wear long robes with extra long tassels, and they love to sit at the head table at banquets and and take the seats of honor in the town. They love to receive praise, and as they walk in the marketplace, they love to be called teachers. So Jesus is saying, don't get caught up in religion. Make it today, what am I going to do for you? Um, what am I going to do to love others? It shouldn't be you care about the praise of men more than the praise of who created you. So yeah, I just wanted you guys to get caught up, not to get caught up in religion. And also, I wanted to read you guys a prayer from Polycarp. Polycarp was born in 69. I believe he was under the apostle Pete John. So John, um, John, discipled Polycarp. John knew Jesus. John talked to Jesus. The gospel of John is my favorite. Um, So Polycarp had been a Christian since his childhood, but he didn't come under the scrutiny of Romans until he was nearing 90. Um, Although everyone who loved him urged him to flee, when the Roman authorities discovered where he was, they the soldiers, the Roman soldiers wanted to come inside, and he opened the door and said, "Let God's will be done." And he was sentenced to be burned at the stake. And he actually prayed for people as he was being burned alive. So, I just want to read you guys a little bit of his prayer, and then I'll be done. 
O Lord God Almighty, Father of your beloved and blessed servant, Jesus Christ, through whom we have received knowledge of you, the God of angels and powers of all creation and of the whole race of the righteous who live in your presence, I bless you because you have considered me worthy of this day and hour that I might receive a place among the martyrs and share in the cup of Christ for resurrection to eternal life for soul and body in the incorruptibility of the Holy Spirit which is Rhema, among them may I be accepted before you today as rich and acceptable sacrifice, just as you, the faithful and true God, have prepared and foreshown and brought about. For this reason, for all things, I praise you, I bless you, I glorify you through the eternally, the eternal heavenly priest Jesus, your beloved child, through whom glory to you with him and the Holy Spirit now, forever, and the ages to come. Amen. This was the prayer before he was burned at the stake. So talk about faith, right? I hope that um, brings some encouragement to you. If you were listening, like I, like I said again, I hope that you can take this and share it with others, and I hope that you do your research. Thank you, and God bless.